0: Any Christmas cards? No, nobody got Christmas cards? I got a few Christmas cards. I thought we'd take a look at a Christmas card tonight. Would you like to take a look? Let's take a look at this Christmas card. Uh, It's a Christmas card, obviously, in the nativity in which we've come to celebrate tonight. And I was looking at these, I look at these Christmas cards every year, and I wonder if this is what it was really like. (laughs) I, I mean... Look at the animals here. Where are all the animals? Atten- their attention is all where? Where are they all? All the animals are looking where? If you're, if you're up close enough, you can see they're all looking at the holy couple and Jesus. And I'm sure the animals in the original manger were all very attentive, right? They, they weren't eating eating hay or doing other things in the manger at that time, right? So there's that. And then you know, you can also look at Mary and Joseph. Now, Mary, if you can't see it, probably because you're too far away, but Mary has makeup on. I wonder how Mary got all this makeup on, and she looks so great, and everything's wonderful. And I really wanted to show you a picture of my wife after she gave birth, but she wouldn't let me do that tonight. <laughs> and and you, could see the, so you could see the contrast between Mary and my wife, you see. Because if you just rode on donkey back for 80 miles and then gave birth, I don't think you'd be, that would be the picture, right? Think about the wise men here, the magi, there are three of them. Actually, we don't know how many magi there were, the Bible doesn't tell us, we just know there were three gifts. They actually probably shouldn't even be in this scene because they come later in the Christmas story. And then the other thing I've noticed, the straw is just perfectly laid out everywhere. Did you notice that? And it's all clean straw at that, right? Why do we sanitize the story? What is it that makes us want to take this great story of the grittiness and the humanity and divinity of God mixing together on earth, and we kind of want to make it into a postcard, into a Christmas card? Because we miss some things. And, you know, one of the things that's actually missing from this Christmas card, I don't know if you recognized it, there's something, actually someone, some people missing from this Christmas card. I don't know if you can tell. I know it's a detailed card. But does anybody, can anybody up here, can you, who, what's, who's missing? Shepherds. shepherds, exactly. There are no shepherds in the Christmas card. I think the artist favored, let's put some more animals in because they're cuter and take the shepherds out, Right? But the shepherds, and we often talk about the shepherds at Christmas time. We heard this great passage of the angels coming to greet the shepherds and sharing this good news with them. And we often look at the shepherds and they're portrayed as these lowly, humble people, which is true that they're often portrayed as these, these common folk. And yet if you look at the scripture, if you read the Old Testament, which was the Hebrew scriptures that were written up before the time that Jesus was born, if you look into the Hebrew scriptures you see a picture of shepherding and sheep. There's this analogy, it's all throughout Scripture, of God being our shepherd and we're the sheep. And that God is the one who is this shepherd leader. In fact, there are many shepherds in the Old Testament. There are many shepherds that were leaders in the Old Testament. They weren't lowly. King David was a shepherd, but he was, he was a king. Moses was a prince of Egypt, and he was also a shepherd. Jethro's daughters were shepherds, shepherdesses. Rachel was a shepherd. See, men and women in the Bible were leaders, and they were shepherds, and God is often referred to as a shepherd leader. And I wonder if it's not so much about the lowliness of the shepherds that they're in this story, but the fact that a shepherd leader has been born that this shepherd leader has come into the world, that, that, that God has sent a new leader, a new shepherd leader into this world. And if the shepherds are so despised and common, my question is then, why do the people believe their story? You know, when, when you read the story, and we heard the story read, the, it said that when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what he had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. If the shepherds were just common folk, or just people off to the side, why did the people they shared the story with listen to their story? Their story has credibility. The shepherds have credibility in Bethlehem. So maybe God went to shepherds for a couple of other reasons. Maybe because they were credible witnesses. (laughs) People believed them and they were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They were leading the way in evangelism. (laughs) The shepherds were. The other thing about the shepherds is I think they're helping to proclaim and to announce that a shepherd leader has come. In fact, they are echoing What the prophet Micah had said 700 years before the birth of Christ. These words were written in the Hebrew scriptures before the birth of Christ. 700 years before the birth of Christ. I'm not making this up. Micah 5, 2 through 4 says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler, leader over Israel. Whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son. Who could that be? And the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. 700 years before the birth of Christ, Micah wrote those words. Boy, it sounds like Jesus to me. His birth, his leadership, his shepherding, his greatness to the ends of the earth. The other thing about shepherds and what makes them great leaders throughout all of the scriptures is that they lead sheep. (laughs) I don't know if you know much about sheep, but we're the sheep. And sheep are skittish. Sheep are not that smart. And sheep get easily distracted. (laughs) See, when sheep go out into the field in the pastures to feed, they look across and they look at a patch of grass and they say, oh, that looks good, and they wander over to that patch of grass. And then all of a sudden, they wander off to another patch of grass, and to another patch of grass, and they see another one off, and they keep going, and that's how sheep get lost. Because they get distracted, they're easily distracted, and then all of a sudden, without the shepherd around, they get scared. They're afraid. That's why we have another great illustration of shepherding in the Old Testament in the Psalms, and you know it, you've heard it before. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. What's the next line for those of you who know? He leadeth me. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Leadership. <laughs> Care for the sheep care that that so much great care for the sheep that they don't get skittish, they don't wander away, they're lying down there beside still waters. This is a good shepherd that is portrayed in Psalm 23. Jesus is the good shepherd. We actually learn that later, right? Because as Jesus talks about his leadership and ministry later in life, he becomes the shepherd who is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. A good shepherd, after all the sheep were in the cave or the pen at night, and we believe that Jesus was born probably in a cave or some type of staple where the shepherds actually knew this place, may have known this place, because this is where they would have taken their sheep to protect them from predators. And when all the sheep were counted and followed in and all in the pen, all in that cave or all in that stable, then the shepherd, the last thing the shepherd would do would be to lay down in the entryway of that to literally lay down his life for the sheep because that's what a good shepherd does. A A good shepherd just lays down and puts himself between the sheep and harm's way. I think the angels go to shepherds because the great shepherd has come, the one who will lay down his life for the sheep, the one that will put his life between sin and eternity the one who will save us from our sins. The good shepherd. The great shepherd that Micah talked about, that Psalm 23 talks to us about. But I want to ask a question. Why don't we follow this great shepherd? I mean, we have this great leader. This great shepherd leader that is given to us. The gift of Jesus is the gift of this shepherd leader that is born unto us, why don't we follow? Why don't we follow? Remember I said we were sheep? Have you ever seen a toddler, not a toddler, but an infant beginning to crawl? Have you ever seen a child begin to crawl? And the first thing they do is, what do they do? They, they start to do the push-up, right? They start with push-ups. They can push themselves up off the floor, And then they start the scooching, right? But most, not all, but some of these small children, their first step is not forward but backward. They begin to like do the backward shuffle, you know. If you've ever seen an infant begin to crawl, they start to do the backward shuffle. And you kind of let them go. And then all of a sudden as they're going, and if you let them go long enough, they end up under a piece of furniture, Sometimes it's under the end table next to the couch, and they're under there, and they're still trying to go back, and they hit the wall, right? And what do they do? They just keep trying to go. And then they start to get frustrated. Have you ever seen an infant get frustrated, a toddler get frustrated? And then they bang their head on the top of the furniture, right? And then they start to scream even louder. And so then the parent starts to rush over to help the child, and the child screams like, no, I'll do it myself, right? Have you ever seen a child... Throw a tantrum? Have you ever thrown a tantrum? Yes, right. If that child could talk, that child would probably say, it's your fault, mom and dad, for not for allowing me to get in this situation. Or it's the furniture's fault because the furniture was there. It's not my fault. I didn't hit my head. It's the furniture hit me, right? Because from that perspective of the child, Who's been leading themselves, the problem is out there. And folks, that's the problem with self leadership. That when we begin to lead ourselves, when we think we can lead ourselves to green pastures, when we think we can lead ourselves to still waters, when we think we can restore our own souls, (laughs) we're in trouble. Because we've been given the gift of a shepherd leader who restores our souls and restores our relationship back to God. That is the gift that God has given us. So my prayer for you tonight, for us tonight, for this Christmas, is that we would make Christ the leader of our lives. That we would surrender our own self-leadership to the gift of God's leadership to say, God, you are the leader of my life, to say, I receive this gift of care and of the great shepherd who is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. That's why Jesus came. He didn't come to be on a Christmas card. He came to be your leader, your ruler, the one who can restore your soul. Greatest gift you will ever get is the restoration of your soul. I'd like to pray, let's pray together.